Um, so we, we also find out that he also became man. He became a propitiation. So, uh, so we'll, we'll read verses 1 through 4, and then we'll jump into verse 5. God, who at various times and in different ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets. Right? Old Testament. Okay, that's, that's what it's talking about. Uh, and that's how he used to speak. Uh, verse 2. Has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. Okay? So now he's speaking through Jesus. Now the revelation is complete, and all of creation history is finding its conclusion in Jesus. Uh, so he is the heir of all things because he became man and he inherited it from the Father. Uh, and he is the Lord of all things because he, all things are made through him. Okay, so, so he has not only his uh, humanity but his divinity. He is fully God, fully man. Uh, now we get into verse 3. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person... And upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had made, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the Majesty on high. Okay, so who being the brightness of his glory, uh, or we talked about the radiance of his glory uh, and the image of his person. Okay, so now again, the who is Jesus. The he is the father, right? So again, the, the, the pronoun sometimes, especially if you're, uh, you got a King James or something, can get confusing. Uh, so it's Jesus who is the radiance of glory. If you wish to see God, you must look at Jesus. There is no radiance. There is no uh, seeing God outside of him. Uh, because what would happen, again, if the rays of the sun did not come down to earth. Could we see if the rays of the sun did not come to us? Now, we, wouldn't, we could see nothing. As a matter of fact, that's why vision is possible, is due to light. And so the radiance of the sun, uh, and I, by that I mean S-U-N, uh, allows us to see all things. It gives us color. Uh, it, it, uh, so all that we see is a reflection of light. Um, so again, this is then what the sun does. Uh, don't, don't get, uh, remember this is a sermon, right? So Hebrews is a sermon. So don't, don't, get, don't get thinking that, you know, oh, well, it's like way far above me. No, he's using these images for you. He's using them so that we can understand them and, and see the mysteries of God. So he's, he's the radiance. He's the, re- he's the sun's ray. That's, if you want to see the Father and His glory, you, you look to Jesus. And also the express image, or we talked about the imprint, right? When you make a coin, you have the original, and then you have what it's stamped into. That's, that's sort of what it, what it is. It's, the, the word is character, right? So you get character by going through or by following uh, someone. And here we see Jesus is exactly what the Father is like. Uh, and, and here it says he's the express image of his person. Uh, I like that he is the reproduction or the uh, image of his substance. He's from the Father. Uh, I, I used this example last time, but um, my child is human. 
Because I'm human, right? He's, he's not a dog or a cat. He is human. Uh, and so same thing with the Son of God, right? Again, sometimes we think, oh, well, you know, the Son of God. But that's actually saying he's God. Because again, the Son of Man is fully man. Son of God is he's fully God. So he is the express image of the Father. Um, and this is what he does. Okay, so being God... Being the one who spoke, now it, now it explains what he does. He upholds all things by the word of his power. So again, I, keep these in your mind, right? Because this is what Hebrews is going to deal with. Words. What is a word? What's in a word? Uh, and when he had by himself purged our sin. Right? So now we have the word connected to purging sin, taking away sin. Uh, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Okay, so uh, what Jesus does is he gets all the stuff together first, right? He becomes man. He dies on the cross. And now it's all ready. See, now the, the, the Passover has been sacrificed, and now we're ready to receive the gifts. Without that, you can't receive the gifts. So Jesus made his preparations and the cross completed the preparation. And now, as the high priest, he does his work. He gives it all out. Right? Just like we heard today, the kingdom of grace is a continual giving out of Jesus and all the work that he did. He, he sprinkles you with his blood, just like the priest did in the temple. Um, okay, and now verse 4, all the way through 13, is dealing with Jesus and... Um, what it means that he is God. All right, so having become so much better than the angels, as he has by inheritance, obtained a more excellent name than they. All right, so we talked about angels last time. Angels are spiritual beings who are very powerful beings. They're the pinnacle of the invisible creation. We are the pinnacle of the visible creation. Um, and no angel bows down to men. Uh, and yet we're going to find out that angels bow to Jesus. So Jesus is not an angel. He's not some other spirit being. He is God. Okay, uh, so now we, we started reading some of these sections. So I'll, I'll do five and six, and then we'll jump in on seven. Um, so for to which of the angels did he ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you? Okay, that's Psalm 2. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. That's 2 Samuel 7. Um, but, when he had, but when he again brings the firstborn into the world, okay, this is Jesus, the firstborn. He's being born of the Virgin Mary. Um, he says, let all the angels of God worship him. Um, and really, that's, that's what they were doing, right? They were announcing the Savior's birth, go and worship him, when Jesus was born. All right, now we're in verse 6. But when he again... Oh, I'm sorry, yeah. I'm sorry, 7, thank you. And of the angels, he says, who makes his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. Uh, so if you, if you have your Bible, you can turn with me uh, to Psalm 104, verse 4. Oh, 
All right. Um, does anyone have that and want to read verses 1 through 4? Psalm 104, verses 1 through 4. Go ahead, Tony. I have confidence in you. Bless the Lord, O my soul, O Lord my God. You are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty, uh, covering yourself with high, with light, as with a garment. Stretching out the heavens like a tent. Somebody else take it. Okay. Anyone want to do three to four? Earl, go ahead. He lays the beams of his upper chambers in the waters, who makes the clouds his chariot, who walks on the wings of the wind, who makes his angels spirits, his ministers a flame of fire. Good. Okay, now this whole psalm is just a a beautiful depiction of who the Lord of hosts is and how he uses his uh, lordship and his Godhead to serve us. Um, And so here we're seeing who the angels are. Uh, So again, this is just a description of angels. Uh, His ministers are spirits. So we know what angels are. They're spirits. And they're flames of fire, right? They're always in movement. Um, they, They... are bright, they're shining. We get some of that uh, when the angels appear at the resurrection, right? They, they have, they're, they're shining like, uh, almost like Christ was. Okay, so, so this, this is the comparison. You have, you are my son, he shall be to me a son, let the angels of God worship him. Okay, they're, those are the three about Jesus. But now you have, uh, of the angels, he says, he makes his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. They're not called Son, and they're not called Lord, and the Father did not beget them in that way. Okay, now we get the contrast. So verse 8, but to the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. All right, so this is from, uh, oh, where did I, I lost it here, uh, Psalm 45. So let's, let's turn to Psalm 45. Uh, and, and again, keep in mind, as we turn back to these things, the reason I, I want you to sort of see them is the way you can interpret the New Testament is with the Old Testament. All the things that are there have already been spoken. Moses spoke things that were meant to be fulfilled in Jesus. Um, so if you, if you don't read the Old Testament, you're missing part of the story. You also have some gaps in understanding. Um, okay, so Psalm 45, and we'll sort of do the same thing. Let, let's read 1 through 7. Uh, someone want to do that? One through seven? Yeah, go ahead, Pastor Wolf. This is the ESV version. Great. My heart overflows with a pleasing theme. I address my verses to the king. My tongue is like the pen of a ready scribe. You are the most handsome of the sons of men. Grace is poured upon your lips. 
Therefore God has blessed you forever. Gird your sword on your thigh, O mighty one, in your splendor and majesty. In your majesty ride out victoriously. For the cause of truth and meekness and righteousness, let your right hand teach you awesome deeds. Your arrows are sharp in the, king, in the heart of the king's enemies. The peoples fall under you. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of uprightness. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. Good. Okay, and again, the rest of that verse is describing the king. I, the thing I love about Hebrews is he uses the Psalms to describe Jesus. Uh, so again, the Psalms are uh, the source of a lot of our knowledge of who Christ is. Um, and so don't neglect your Psalms. Uh, they teach you of Christ too. Um, okay, so the contrast then is that the sun reigns. Okay, so if you could sort of see this picture, you have the king and you have his servants. And that's what he wants you to see is that one is the son. The other is the, the servants who the son commands to do things. So Jesus is not lower than the father in the sense that he is less than. Um, just like my son, although he's smaller than me right now, I won't stay that way, um, but he's, he's small, and yet he's not less than me. I wouldn't say he's less human or that he has less powers, except for that he's you know, small. Um, but he is my son. So this is the contrast. He's a king. He is the one who commands the angels. Uh, okay. Uh, and uh, we'll jump to verse 10 here. Uh, and you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain, and they will all grow old like a garment, like a cloak, you will fold them up, and they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will not fail. Um, so let's turn to Psalm 102. Psalm Okay, um, can someone read uh, 18 through 28? Whoever is bold enough to read 10 verses. Okay, go ahead, Simon. This shall be written for the generation to come, and the people which shall be created shall praise the Lord. For he hath looked down from the height of his sanctuary, from heaven that the Lord behold the earth, to hear the groaning of the prisoner, to loose those that are appointed to death to declare the name of the Lord in Zion and his praise in Jerusalem, when the people are gathered together in the kingdoms to serve the Lord. He weakened my strength in the way. He shortened my days. I said, O oh my God, take me not away in the midst of my days. Thy years are throughout all generations. Of old hast thou laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thy hands. They shall perish, but thou shalt endure 
yea, all of them shall wax old like a garment, as a vesture shalt thou change them, and they shall be changed. But thou art the same, and thy years shall have no end. The children of thy servants shall continue, and their seed shall be established before thee. Very good. Okay, <clears throat> so who does this describe? No. Who is it? Who is this section describing? Is it describing Jesus? Yes, the answer is always Jesus, right? Um, but, but here, it, it answers it in a way that, uh, again, Jesus is the Lord. Okay, so, so far, his titles are, in verse 8, God, and verse 10, Lord. Okay, um, and uh, the last one, verse 13. But to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Right, so let's, uh, let's turn one last time to Psalms, and then we'll, we'll sum up chapter 1 here. So Psalm 110. Okay. And can someone read verses, well, it's really short. Someone want to read the whole thing? Psalm 110, 1-7. Go ahead. The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of your strength out of Zion. Rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people shall be volunteers in the day of your power. In the beauties of holiness from the womb of the morning, you have the dew of your youth. The Lord has sworn and will not relent. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He shall execute kings in the day of his wrath. He shall judge among the nations. He shall fill the places with dead bodies. He shall execute the heads of many countries. He shall drink of the brook by the wayside. Therefore, he shall lift up the head. Thank you. All right, so now we have sort of the final description of who Jesus is. Uh, his enemies will be put underneath him. All right, so uh, if you have your sheet, you can look at it from Hebrews 1. Um, but I just wanted to go through some of these points as we uh, look at chapter 1. Uh, so again, the first point is, the Old and New Testaments are speaking to me. And this, I, I hope, is a great comfort to you. Um, because who does Jesus um, do all of his work for? Which is who? It's you. Right? This is all yours. The Old and New Testament, again, the, the, the glory of God is yours in Jesus. But, yeah. but the more that we uh, meditate on this, the more I hope it gives you comfort um, that not just part of Scripture is about you, but all of it. All of his work uh, is meant for your sake, uh, so that when you read this, these words, they're yours. 
Um, all right, so the, secondly, in chapter 1, uh, again, think of this picture, right? You have Jesus, you have the king, um, and he's God and man. He's made a sacrifice for all sins. What does this mean? Uh, the message of the Old and New Testaments are united, and they deliver Jesus to me. Um, so w- when you read your Bible, what do you expect to get out of it? The life of Jesus. Okay, yeah. Good. Okay, good, yeah. So, so when you read it, you're getting information about Jesus. Yes, that's true. I'm sorry? Yeah, knowing him, yeah. No, that's right, though. Yeah, because sometimes, uh, you know, it, it's one thing to know something about someone. It's another thing to know them in familiarity, right? To be their friend. To, yeah, so I, I think you're, are you going? Yeah, right. I mean, again, if, if you want to know what someone thinks, what do you have to do? Yeah, right. And, and Jesus wants you to know what he thinks. I mean, this is the great part about it. It's not some, you know, well, a guessing game, right? Um, we may play that way with each other, right? Uh, again, the, the, the perennial example is, well, uh, do what I think, not what I say, right? <laughs> um, so we may, we may do that and leave people guessing. But Jesus doesn't do that. He wants you to know him, and he gives you a place to know him. Okay, so we have, we have history, which is good. We have knowledge of God and his will, which is good. What else do you expect Scripture to give to you? When you're reading your Bible, what do you expect from it? Yes, good. It's a guide, yeah. Um, and what kind of guidance? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, right? I mean, again, when, when you encounter uh, great distress and anxiety about decisions you need to make, um, it should be the place you go, right? It, it should be the place you go. And it's for that, right? This is the great thing is Jesus is speaking to you. You should have confidence in that. Um, there's, there's one more thing, I think, because these are, these are all great. So again, history about Christ, knowledge of him, guidance. There's one more I want to bring out. Salvation. Oh, good. Good. Now, what do you mean by that? Uh, Forgiveness of our sins. So you're saying when you read your Bible, you're expecting to receive forgiveness when you read it? He's given me a gift, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's it. This is the delivery mechanism. Yeah, the power of God is his gospel and don't make that something out there. The gospel is literally learning about Jesus and his death for you. That's the gospel. And so when you read this, it's actually giving you what it says. It's giving you Jesus who took away your sins and he's actively doing it. So when you read it, you're getting salvation. Jesus is there and he's giving you all the stuff he just described. He's, he's working all times and places and people and history for your good as you continue to receive it. Um, so, so the word of God is your great 
help in time of need, for knowing him, for guiding you, for salvation, all of that. Uh, it delivers Jesus to you. That's what it does. Um, that's right. Yeah, right. That, that's, that's the point of the application. You get to hear the living word of God. Um, okay, uh, the third point. The father and son desire to come to me with the word. Um, so a lot of times we make God far away or we forget how he stays with us. But here... He tells us. He maintains all things by the word of his power. And he wishes for us to receive it by listening. That's how he comes to us. Um, so how do you, um, how can you be absolutely certain that God is with you? Yeah, right. The Holy Spirit makes us understand the word. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because this is the substance. So the substance of faith is not um, feelings, right? Or your opinions or thoughts. It's words on a page or proclaimed to you that your faith holds on to. And, And they do what they say. Okay, good. Uh, let's see. Ah, if I want to be united to God, I must go to his word. So again, if you want the unity, if you want peace, patience, understanding, all those things, here they are. They're, they're, they're offered to you. Um, all right, number five. Again, this is from the Hebrews 1. If, if you don't have that, I'm, I'm reading to you what's on the sheet. So don't worry if you don't have it. Uh, number five. The Old Testament explains who Jesus is for me. So when you're reading your Old Testament, you don't ever have to wonder what it's all about. Uh, all of it is about Jesus. Now, you may have, you know, may struggle, okay, how in the world is the story of Samson about Jesus, right? But it is, because he's a judge. And he's a judge in Israel. And the people of Israel are the ones who have the oracles of God. So every time God delivers his people, he's flashing to you one more picture of who Jesus will be. How does Samson defeat the Philistines in the end? With his arms outstretched, dying to destroy the enemy. Right? And of course, if this is not a picture, right? Sort of the, oh, that's... This is Jesus, right? This is him always, in every deliverance of Israel, um, is Jesus. But more than, it, more than it being Jesus and you understanding it, it's Jesus for you. Just like Samson defeated the Philistines, so Christ will defeat all your enemies, including sickness and death, including every adversity you face. And he will be just as successful as when he did it with Samson. Um, okay, uh, point six on that Hebrews one sheet. Uh, when God the Father speaks about the Son, it is not just knowledge, but salvation delivered to me. Um, so, so this is interesting because uh, the, these verses 
in chapter 1, who, who is the one speaking those verses? Who is, who is the writer of Hebrews telling you is speaking the verses in chapter 1? When we're, we've been quoting the Old Testament a lot, okay? Who is the one who's supposedly speaking all that? The Holy Spirit, yes, yes. But the Holy Spirit never gives you his own information. So where is the Holy Spirit speaking from? Yes. And for the Father. Right? So the Father is speaking these things about Jesus for you. To tell you the same things that he said at Jesus' baptism. What did, what did the Father say at Jesus' baptism? This is my beloved son. Are not, are, are not all these verses then just reconfirming that? Right? They're telling you that the same thing he said in the Old Testament, he's saying in the New Testament, it's connected to Jesus and your baptism. Pretty much all of the Old Testament prophecies uh, point to Jesus. That's right. That's right. Yep. The Old Testament prophecy gives us Jesus. All right, uh, finally, and we'll move on to uh, Hebrews 2, the sheet in front of you. Um, uh, Verse 14 of chapter 1, uh, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? Now, this is cool. It's cool to remember this. Who who are they? Verse 14, who are they? The The angels. What is the angel's job? They serve you. This is crazy. I, I mean, again, we, we, we oftentimes don't dwell on angels, I think, as much as you know, we, we could. But Hebrews brings them out in spades and says, look, they're serving you. Now, this is the unique part about angels serving you. Um, who do angels typically serve? If you're thinking of angels and what they're doing. What? God. They're serving God. So what does it mean that they're serving you? What? They're serving us according to his will. Yes, that's true. And they're honoring God, yes. But... True, true. Yeah, right, right. But who... Who have we become in Jesus? Yeah. Yeah, right? That's right. Yeah, and, and there's that word, inherit. Now, before this time in verse 14, who is the one that inherited everything? In chapter 1. It's Jesus. So, who are you? You are now united to Christ. So much so that the angels serve you and you get the inheritance. Yeah, we're adopted. Yeah, we're adopted into the family. And, uh, and, and this then also uh, brings to mind, or should, what, what is your birth into God's family? It's baptism, right? You are born again. John 3 Right? You must be born from above. 
And of course, Nicodemus, you know, misinterpreting this says, okay, so I'm supposed to crawl back into my mother's womb? Right? No, of course not, Nicodemus. Uh, You must be born of water and the spirit. He, He just spells it out. Of course, later on, um, you know, he, he continues to carry this out. Um, and we know that uh, when Peter gives his first sermon, uh, so again, Pentecost happens, Holy Spirit falls down on Peter, and he is speaking the words of God. And after he gets done, the people say, oh, what must we do? And what is Peter, what's Peter's answer? Yes, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's the answer. That's the response. That's what faith does. So the unique part about Peter's sermon on Pentecost is that Jesus is ascended. And so now his message is the same. And it's carried out specifically through the apostles. And that's then for you too. You become heirs. You become united to Jesus. So that all of the glory of God is yours. Kingdoms, domains, all the stuff we just read about is yours. All the angels serve you. Um, so he, he again is, is uniting you to this through Jesus. Jesus is the key. Okay, so that's chapter 1. It establishes Jesus is the Son, but now you as heirs with Jesus. And now in chapter 2, we're going to deal with what, how, we, how we get it and everything Jesus did to give it to us. That is salvation. All right, so Hebrews 2. So you got your sheet in front of you there. Um, just to explain the sheet, I, I, it's a little different than your first one. I divided it up um, so you'd have sort of like a really, really short summary of the chapter. So if you're thinking like, what is everything we said in, you know, five sentences? Uh, it's there. Uh, I, the, the one down from that, you'll see the doctrines taught. The, the, the one to four of verses, okay? I should have put verses there, but I'll, I'll do that for the next one. But So verses one to four talk about the Word of God. Verses five to 18 talk about the incarnation. And they talk about justification. So I'm, I'm hoping you can use this just as a quick guide to say, gosh, what did we, you know, what, what, what is, if I wanted to say just one thing we teach about this, what is it? You know, so, and then finally, well, the what does this mean? That'll be for you as you sort of reflect, you know, okay, it's good information, but how is this giving me salvation? So just to tell you how these are working, I hope they're helpful to you in that way. Oh, yes. You guys need one? Anyone else need one? I have, I have one left, so I, I need this one. Sorry. I'll, I'll make one for you later if you need it. <clears throat> All right. So we're in, ver- uh, in chapter 2. All right. Therefore, okay, now, again, the, uh, when Scripture was written, did it have chapters? 
When, when Matthew wrote down the Gospel of Matthew, did it have verses and chapters? No, it didn't, okay? Now, they're not bad, don't, but sometimes they, uh, they make us break things up um, and, and they, they sort of, you lose the flow of the text a little bit. So, chapter 2 starts with, therefore. What is the therefore? It's the whole previous chapter, right? So if you don't, if you didn't read the first part, you're never going to get this part. And if you don't fully understand the first part, there's, there's going to be no, and so this is what's next, okay? Um, so to keep the first part in mind, the Son of God became man to purge your sins. And now, as that Son of God, He's delivering those gifts to you. Okay, uh, so now we're therefore. Okay, uh, chapter two. Therefore, we must give more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. All right. Um, oh, by the way, I, I think if we don't finish these, keep these with you. I'll make some more next time, but you know, just shove them somewhere, and, and we'll probably use this again. Um, so when he says, give more earnest heed to the things we have heard, what is he talking about? What, what, what are the things we, now you notice he brings you in, right? He says we, including you. What are the things we have heard? Words of the prophets and Jesus. Yeah, that number one, going back to chapter one, right? In, many, in various times in different ways, uh, God spoke in the past to the fathers by the prophets. Okay, and by his son. Okay, so now we have those two, and so now the we. Uh, so, so sorry. So the, what we have heard is those two things. What else would we have heard? What? Yeah, the gospel. Yeah, right. All the things that are in the gospel, and then there's something even closer that we have heard. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yep. You've heard the Psalms, and 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 one of the things about this is remember it's a sermon. So I sorry I should have brought that back into context. It's a sermon. What are some of the things you hear before the pastor starts preaching? Just think about our service today. What are some of the things you hear? You hear the scripture and the liturgy, right? The scripture is read. Old Testament, the epistle, the gospel, right? And, and we have the intro, which is usually a psalm. So you've heard psalms, right? And, the, and that would be the angels' proclamations, right? So you have all that. And that's what, he's, that's what he's dealing with, right? Okay, guys, remember the stuff we just did in the service. It all matters. And all that then is part of this. Um, okay. Now, how, to, how do you give more earnest heed or pay closer attention? How, how do you do that? Therefore, we must, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we've heard. Yeah. Just taking one step back. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, paying attention to what we've heard, going back to verse 2, 
God has spoken to us by His Son. So what we have heard is Jesus speaking. Yeah. Yes. Well, and and then again, putting that in the service, Jesus speaking today, right? And He's going to bring this up multiple times. Today is the day of repentance. Today is the day when God's speaking to you. And you notice um, what tense. In let's just take verse five. What tense is that? Uh, is that in when He says, "For to which of the angels did He ever say?" What tense is that in the English language? Yeah, but he's, he's saying now, right? So did he ever say, that's true, that's past. But you'll notice that he, he is saying it now to you, right? Okay, so therefore we must give more heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. All right, so go, going back to what we're doing. So what is he telling you to do? Stay, stay, stay in the Word. Yes, yeah, well, so... Uh, how do you do that? Stay in the word. Okay, that, that's right. That's right. And that's, that's, I would say, a synonym, right? To stay in the word is the same as to heed more carefully. But how do you do it? You, you are, you decrease the increases. So. Yeah, you read it again, right? That's it, right? That's one way you do it. You just say it again, right? And that's why you can never, ever read the Bible too much. You're never going to get there, okay? Um, so that's one way. It, it's so it's it's simpler than we give it credit for to just actually read it, right? <laughs> to read it again, and then read it again, and then read it again. So one way is repetition. Okay, that's one way. Yeah. It's like the Orthodox. Only instead of saying it again and again in the service of the liturgy, we need to read it again and again in our, in our liturgy and our, in our teaching and our studies and our private studies and our meditations. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now, now, the best way you could probably think of it is this: um, uh, How do you savor food? You what? You eat slowly, right? You don't eat like a pig. Okay. If you can't taste the food before it hits your stomach, you're doing something wrong. <laughs> right. And you, and you know what it's like if you're, you know, you, you, get, you invite someone over for a nice meal, you, you slaved over this, you know, you're, you're, you're really, you did all you could to make it delicious, and the person, oh, you know, okay, I'm done. Uh, anything else? Oh, you know? Or for you, or for you wonderful uh, wives who make meals for your husbands, and then they scarf it down, they say not one word of compliment, you know, and you're like, I should slap you, you know? Um, but, but that, that's the same thing, right? We experience that all the time. Um, it is that it's how do you savor something? So one way is repetition. What's another way we can take heed to the Word of God? Yeah. Tony, go ahead. Uh, I was going to point out chapter 2 of Hebrews is introduced in the ESV. Oh, yeah, all right. So, and we're going to get to that, right? Because the neglect is going to be the other side. Um, but let's do one. There's one more aspect of, so what we did repetition. That's one way to do it. What's another way you can savor the Word of God? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. This is a great. So in the old days, you teach to learn, right? So the more you talk about it, the more you learn it, right? This is why fellowship is, I mean, that's literally what we're doing right now. What are we doing? We're just talking about God's word. And as we do it, we're slowing down and we're repeating it and we're talking, right? We're, we're, we're teaching, uh, you know, and that's why, again, when you answer the question, you're also teaching, right? You're, you're bearing witness of the things in your own heart and mind that your brothers and sisters can hear. It's, ah, yes, okay. There's, a, there's, another, there's another flavor to this that I hadn't tasted before. Um, yeah, so repetition, slowness, and fellowship. Right? All those are great ways you can take heed, pay attention to God's word more, uh, and, and savor it. Okay, so uh, now, what, how do you drift away? What, what is it? I mean, this is the point, right? Um, let, let me, I'll put the picture here for you. H- have any of you uh, ever gone canoeing or uh, white water rafting, maybe? Okay. Uh, like maybe canoeing is better because white rider rafting, you're just like going with the flow there. Um, but uh, have you ever tried to canoe upstream? We can't canoe downstream. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, so so um, is it natural uh, to canoe upstream? No, right? The point that you would normally do is you want to go down the river, right? Um, and that's, that's the, the normal flow. Well, uh, this is being a negative example. Um, again, our sin is the same as a river, right? And it flows fast and strong towards sin. And that's what it does. Uh, the gospel is Christ putting us in the canoe and putting us upstream, right? Now we're going the opposite direction of everything that would lead us astray. Now, the word itself is actually a great word. Uh, it's drift, right? You, now, what, what happens if you put your canoe in the river and you don't get in it? <laughs> right? It's gone, right? And then you're, yeah, I, I don't know if you'll ever see it again. Um, yeah, this is what happens, right? Uh, and it shows us that it's, the Christian life is not the natural life. The natural life, the way the river flows is in sin. And so it is easy to drift away. It's easy to not want to repeat God's word, to not want to talk about God's word, to not want to savor it, right? Um, so this is the warning to us, is pay attention to your canoe, or it will fly down the river without you, and it will no longer be yours. Um, <clears throat> So th- that then is sort of the picture of this drifting. Uh, now, how does that happen in our own lives? So what are some of the ways that people drift? Or maybe what, what, one of the ways that you may drift. Yeah. Give me an example. I'm coming down my ramp this morning, and I noticed that the bottom of the ramp, the bottom plate, followed the sidewalk. This curve didn't work. And I immediately started running into the side of the I said, okay, being the engineer, can you go to the route to audits? What happened here? I did not keep my focus on where I was going. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I got distracted right. from my focus for a second, 
and got uh, pulled into something else. And I'd say the answer to your question is that, that what you have to do is maintain focus. Yeah. It needs to constantly maintain focus. The seminar we had Friday night is an example of all the things that can take our focus off of Christ. Yeah. We need to know about it. It may seem esoteric and strange out there, but we need to understand that those things do exist. They're not just happenstances. Right, right. Yeah, so what Gary's referring to, we had an apologetics conference on Friday. Uh, great conference, um, but it was about Gnosticism. And this is, again, one attempt, uh, major attempt of the devil to derail us. Uh, and it is a very, um, basically it sets up an alternate system for, um, for deceiving the world. Uh, that we can somehow see around Creation and God's created order, and we are now the the one the holders of all knowledge instead of God, and that we would try to manage God. Um, so okay, so yeah, one way is is to not focus, right? To be distracted. Um, that's one way. What, what's another way we end up drifting? Yeah. Ah. Yes. Right. Yes. Well, it, and, and that's a good thing. It becomes a habit, right? And we, we make, we, we fall into bad habits all the time. I mean, oh, everyone knows what, you know, it's like to fall into a bad habit of eating badly, right? Or not exercising. Much easier than exercising, I must say. That's the kind of exercising I do right now, which is bad. Um, the not. Uh, so, so. Uh, look, bad habits, right? No focus. Um, and, and again, we can make that list go on and on. But we are more likely to fall into those things. And that's why Paul can say something like this. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, that's not fear and trembling that God's not going to save you. That's fear and trembling that I myself am going to deny him. And I wish to always come to God with a humble heart, asking for help. Help, Lord. Help me pay attention to what I'm supposed to be paying attention. Help me to have fellowship with this. Help me to hear it and learn it. Right? Um, okay. So, uh, now, verse 2. So we sort of have then what, where we're going. Right? It, w- the word is all important. And it is a word. An actual word spoken. Right, so that's what we're paying attention to. So uh, verse 2. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him? All right. <clears throat> So, uh, first it was spoken by uh, angels. Wait, hold on. Oh, I, sorry, I, I fast-forwarded. Uh, so, verse 2. Yeah, um, yeah, no, that's, that's right. Angels prove steadfast. Now, what, what is the word spoken through angels? The messengers of the prophets of the Old Testament. 
Yeah, this could be this could refer to the messengers of God, which again, angels, that word can also mean messengers of the Old Testament. So so that's part of it, yeah. Um what messages did angels speak in the Old Testament? Well, one of them uh, in the garden was what? I guess they didn't speak it, so that's not fair. I'll just, what, did, what did the angel do to Adam and Eve? In the garden. Yeah, he, he has this sword, right? The flaming sword of the angel, it, it, and so you can't get back in, right? So that's, that's one of the things that the angel uh, did. Uh, what is, um, what did the angel, and, and maybe this is more direct. So again, I think all these are possibilities, and he brings them all together. But here's an, here's an even closer one. Uh, what, what angels appear in the New Testament? And what do they say? Yes. Yeah. Right. Angels and the shepherd, angels and Mary, angels and uh, Zechariah. Right. All those happen. Boom, boom, boom. All in the New Testament. And so the, the, this then is more focused on the birth of Jesus and it proved reliable. Okay. So, so now we're going to go further. And every transgression. So here... What did the angel speak to Joseph in his dream? You don't have to do word for word, but just what in general? Jo- oh, I'm sorry. Joseph, like uh, Mary's husband <laughs> in the New Testament. What, what, what did he say to Joseph? Yeah, yeah, right. You marry her and what? Name him. Jesus, why? For he will save his people from their sins. Right? Now, look. Look at the very next thing he says. And every transgression and disobedience received a just reward. What is the justice for all sin? How did God carry out justice for every sin? Jesus' death. Right? This is the atoning sacrifice. Um. Okay, so then how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Right, now, 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 here he's making the connection. Okay? How does that salvation come to you? How does the salvation that Jesus accomplished, you said it, death on the cross, all sins are paid for, how do you get it? Through the Word. Through the word. So what, what does he mean about neglecting? What are we neglecting? The Word. Right? So again, you've got to keep that in mind. The, the, the neglect that's happening is doing this. Right? I'm not listening. Right? Or, or not even showing up. Not even showing up. Okay, so that's, that's then what he's talking about. How are we going to escape if we neglect this? If we don't listen? Which at the first began to be spoken. So that brings it back to the word. Spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him. Who is the Lord in this section? What? It's Jesus, right? Now, this is Jesus as he's been born on earth. So it's spoken to us by the Lord. Remember, the angels spoke. Now it proved reliable. Now Jesus is speaking. Okay? Um, 
and was confirmed to us by those who heard him. Who are those who heard him? Heard Jesus on earth. The apostles. Now, now, we're, now we're in the word of God, right? Now we have all the apostles writing Jesus and what he said. All right? Uh, so confirmed, uh, it, it was spoken by the Lord, confirmed to us by those who heard him. And now, in verse 4, we're in the book of Acts. Okay, so if you imagine you start in the book of Luke, right? And this is why many assume that this is Paul who wrote this letter. Because Luke writes two books. What are the two books of Luke? Luke and Acts. And he actually begins the book of Acts with the same heading. O Theophilus, as we began to instruct you, so... And he continues with the church. So Luke and Acts now. And, and so you, now you're jumping to the book of Acts. God bore witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit. What does that look like in the book of Acts? What's happening with the apostles in the book of Acts? Persecution, that's true. But, but what are they doing? What are the apostles doing? What? They're doing miracles. I mean, Peter's walking by people and they're getting healed, right? The cloth that Paul touches are like passing around. It's healing people. Paul, being so boring that someone fell out of a window because they were sleeping during Paul's sermon. Don't fall asleep in sermons. He, he goes out and he raises him from the dead. Right? Because he, again, he fell out of the second story window, assumably dead. And Paul goes out, picks him up, he's healed. Right? I can't guarantee you I would be able to do that. <laughs> Um, but those are the things that it's confirmed. What the apostles spoke is true. It's the same message. And what then would, what then would be uh, the, the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit? This would be the other thing. Think obvious in the, in the book of Acts. You don't have to find some like narrow story. What is an obvious gift of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts? Yeah, the speaking of tongues. It's Pentecost, right? There's a blowing of winds. And there's so many people talking in different languages that they're like, oh, hey, those guys must be drunk. You know? I mean, it's a spectacle. But it's the flames of fire. And it happens multiple times. Falls on Cornelius and his household. Falls on those who are apostles of John. Um, okay, so, so now we have then the word spoken by the apostles and all of this is a delivery of Jesus. Okay, so uh, verses 1 to 4, we accomplish that, and that is the Word of God. So if you ever wonder, gosh, you know, what should I think about God's Word? It's right there. In verses 1 to 4, it's a great um, section on the Word of God. All right, well, lo- let's close with prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Dear Lord, we have not neglected your Word this day, as we have discussed it among ourselves. Enlighten our hearts and minds as you have promised and give us this same salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Until next week.